What's up, Calvary Cast listeners? We are back. Episode 121 coming at you on a Wednesday morning, mid-morning this time. I am Graham and he is Jess, hosts of the Calvary Cast. How are you, Jess? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing well as well. A, um, good. Glad to hear that. Yeah. Good day. Uh, we are. We've got a special podcast lined up for the people today. It sounds special. It does. A uh, <sighs> dual sip right there. This is a little shout out. There's gonna be lots of shout outs probably today uh, to uh, John Johnson. This coffee comes from him. This is the last of the Brazilian coffee he sent back with me. Yeah, it's a little really, past. Yeah. It's a little past. It's prime but it's, it's good, still good yeah very it's kind of it's smooth and yeah. i like it so thank you john for uh fueling the podcast today. does he listen to the podcast so he'll hear this or we don't know uh, maybe maybe not let us know john if you listen every once in a while i see a uh, somebody brazil listens and i, I don't know who else it'd be <laughs> right <laughs> so, <laughs> must there, be him must be there we go so anyway uh, yeah, we've got some things lined up. First of all, though, another shout out. Some of our listeners have let me know that we made their Spotify end of the year wrapped thing. Wow. Have you seen people posting that stuff? I haven't, but I, well, it's I'll a take thing. your word for it. It's yeah. a thing that the kids do these days. <laughs> Spotify's like, this last year you listened to this many songs. I and, see, yeah. No, I am aware of that part. Okay. Yeah, I just yeah. haven't so seen So the it. podcast is the same thing, because some people listen on Spotify. I don't, but some people do. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, this was your top podcast. One person in particular told me we were their number one listen to podcast last year. Wow. That's that's. I'm great. not going to name them, because it might be embarrassing. Right, right. <laughs> but thank you. No, that's really neat. Genuinely, from the bottom of our hearts, yeah. thank you to all of you, especially you Calvary Cast Plus subscribers. And I never thought I would be um, a co-host of a podcast on Spotify, along with Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> Hitting number one charts on certain people's playlist oh that's it exactly how come nobody's protesting us being on spotify like they were joe rogan (laughs) neil young is refusing to put his music on until we're removed (laughs) this calvary cast must come off i don't think we're a threat i don't think so either uh another shout not a shout out a call for help Hmm. we need new album art okay Ours is bad. We right. redid it a couple years ago. It, 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 it's not good. So we need some help. If you got an idea for a logo or a new album art, send it our way. And then if it's good enough, this is the thought. We'll make stickers. Hmm. And people can have the stickers and they can rep it on their water bottles. Right. Or on their cars. <laughs> <laughs> Bumper stickers. We'd have something like, my driving is bad because I'm listening to the Calvary cast. There you go. That'd this be great. Could work. Yeah. It could. Go. Oh, boy. So if you got An some, artiste. We need an artiste. We need an artiste. Or a person who's not an artiste but is good at coming up with podcast album art. There you go. All right. We are going to do a little thing today. <clears throat> Before we get into our kind of topic, this is going to be a grab bag podcast. We'll just tell people up front that we don't have one particular topic. We've got a number of things. Think of this as our Christmas gift to you. 
our Christmas, our Calvary Cast Christmas conversation yes. gift to you. Yes. But should we tell them a little bit of why we'll this do that is the in last a minute. minute? Okay. But before gotcha. we do that, okay. are you ready for our little thing we're going to do? Did yep. you prepare anything for this? Okay. So this we're calling, I'm calling it Five Fast Facts. Oh, boy. Things you didn't know or needed to know, but now you do know, and you're still not sure that you need to know them mm-hmm. or not, mm-hmm. right? It's like a Christmas gift to our people in the form of a verbal white elephant. So what we're going to do, we've each prepared, did you prepare five questions? I'm actually doing it now. Do you hear me <laughs> typing? <laughs> so while Jess comes up with his five questions, as I continue to explain what we're going to do, we're just going to come up with mm-hmm. random questions for each other. We have to give quick answers. Mm-hmm. I've heard other people do things like this on other podcasts, not in the same format, and I enjoyed it. Okay. And so I thought maybe the people would enjoy this too. Okay. All right. So here we go. Five fast facts, things you didn't need to know, but now you do. Number one, for you, did you play any sports in your younger years? Yes. What? Uh, let's see. Soccer, baseball, Soccer is not a sport, but... Agreed. That's why I only did, I think, one year. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, soccer, baseball, basketball were my teen sports that I did as a kid, but didn't even make it into the high school years. I think my last year of baseball was close to my ninth grade year. So, Very good. Your turn. What is your favorite Christmas movie? That's a pretty good question. I don't really. I'm not a big Christmas movie fan per se. I guess that has to be your answer then. All right. Uh, I here's a Christmas one for you. Favorite Christmas tradition. Okay. Now, in fairness, I have that one as my next one for you. Oh well, yeah. that and works. Okay. So we can both answer. Uh, favorite Christmas tradition. <coughs> uh, Christmas Eve appetizers after the uh, Christmas Eve service. Okay. And we put Elf on. And Elf we and we don't sit and watch it, but it's in the background, and we just have wings and mozzarella sticks and jalapeno poppers and okay. all the good stuff. I will say, with that, I, so I'm gonna give two. Okay. One to redeem my last answer. We every year have been watching Andrew Peterson's "Behold the Lamb of God" Christmas concert hmm. live stream, and love it. So that's a tradition. Okay. We do that every year. Is that a live? Is that it's a, a live, live stream? But you can also he's already done it. You can watch it afterwards. I so see. We'll, that's what we'll do because it was on Monday this year, and that didn't work for us to watch it then. So we'll go and watch that. I love that album. Love that concert. Uh, the other thing would be we do a charcuterie board on Christmas Day, like a really good one, mm-hmm. and that's that's a, another nice. favorite. Okay, good. All right. Uh, what was your first car? Oh, what was? Oh, it was a uh, it was a van. And it was uh, a column shifter. Couldn't go over 45 miles an hour. I cannot remember. <laughs> was it a Chevy van or whatever? It had no windows on the side or the back. I ended up Like put, they were broken out or was there it a panel none. van? It was, it was, yeah, it was just enclosed. And I removed the seats out of the back and I put a love seat back there. I had house speakers. <laughs> and we would Did load my live? friends in and just go, yeah, you could have lived in Did it. Did you live down by the river? <laughs> no, but I was on I was on a trajectory to end up down by the river. But it was a it was it was a fun van. We had a lot of good times in it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Your turn. Oh, uh, most proud achievement. What have you achieved that you're most proud of? 
<laughs> not in a not in a sinful, prideful way, but like you're you feel accomplished in that that God helped you do something or whatever. Boy, isn't that a tough question? That's a tough question because I, I I feel like I'm not a, an achiever person. Right. This it. This sounds weird, but it's the only thing I think of right now. Mm-hmm. I said to do one rep max on my deadlift last night. Nice. What is it? I don't want to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds really weird. Because some people are like, that's all? And some people are like, wow, that's a lot. So right. I don't know. Oh, that's a good one. I'll tell you off air. Okay. <laughs> all right. What's your favorite food? Um... Yeah, you know, probably pizza, but mm-hmm. good pizza, which is so you Rockford pizza. Yeah, like Rockford pizza uh, with the toppings underneath pizza. the cheese. Yeah. Right? So to the extent that I would tell people, if you are within an hour of Rockford, maybe even an hour and a half, and you're taking a trip, and you could just make that connection to Rockford, land there at dinner time, go to Lino's Pizza, order a pizza with sausage trust me on this don't okay. think papa john sausage or like pizza hut sausage I, think I, good italian sausage yeah. sausage uh and that's it oh sausage mushroom maybe okay don't load the pizza with a ton of like peppers or yeah, things like a few things just get that okay. i promise you you will probably get emotional as you're eating it i promise you you will be spoiled on pizza for the rest of your life Maybe Lino's in Rockford is listening, and they could sponsor the podcast and send us pizza. Yeah. You know, I should contact them and see if they could start shipping pizzas. I'd be willing to pay. You're going to pay some money. I would, I'd be willing to do it not all the time, right, but, like but a for a once treat. A, like a Christmas treat. That could be the Christmas Eve thing with our laptop. We could order that, have that there, boom, bake it. But there you go. All right. Was that number four? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you got number four. Uh, what is your what is your favorite book or most helpful book or whatever? I mean, it could even be the a Bible. Okay, no, it's other than the me. Bible. Yeah, other than the Bible. Most helpful book, like of any sort. Yeah, could be even a, a, a fictional, non-fictional. Doesn't. I don't matter. really read non-fiction. Other than the Maybe. Hardy Boys as a child. But you you read you read. Or, I mean fiction. Yeah, fiction. Yeah. Um, that's I'm, a tough one. I'm, too, that's I a know. tough one. So I, I, I can think of two, right? Mm-hmm. One would be Knowing God. Yeah. Right. That was like the first, like theological book that really grabbed me. Right. The second would be, and this would relate to music and liturgy, but it'd be mm-hmm. Mike Cosper's book Rhythms of Grace, hmm. talking about worship and liturgy and things like that. Uh, he's a great writer, and his stuff. That was that was a great book. Okay. Uh, okay, last one, another Christmas one. A fake Christmas tree or a real tree? Both. We have both. You have two trees in We your have house? two trees. We have a fake one we put up, and we go get a real one every year. We just got it really? the other night at the Boy Scout thing, paid an arm and a leg for it. I'll bet you did. And it, it, when we first brought it in, it was it was scraping the top of the ceiling. It was like a seven-and-a-half-foot tree. And I had to cut off a little bit of the top. Are you trying to make up for all the years as a child that you can celebrate Christmas? Isn't that interesting? (laughs) And, you know, that's funny because when, because I never had a tree as a kid. My first tree was when Natalie and I got married. Yeah. But, um, you mean your first two trees. Right. Yeah. But we we only had a real one at the time. But I, um, and like, 
Natalie would just get frustrated with me every year when the kids were little. Yes. And I cared about really getting them presents and I wanted their Christmas to be like, wow, you yeah. know, or whatever. And so it would always be like two, three days before Christmas. And I'd be, I'd be driving around to stores and talking to Natalie and she'd be like, what do you do this every year? And I'm like, well, it doesn't seem like they have enough. It doesn't seem like they have enough presents. She's like, you're only doing this because you didn't have Christmas as a kid. And I guess I didn't realize I'm probably like, yeah, you're probably yeah. right. There you go. But when they grow up and they're like all like adults now, at least you know, out of the home type of thing. I don't feel that compulsion anymore. Yeah. But now with grandkids, like with Jace, you know, I'm going to want to do that and our new yeah. baby on the way. Okay. The new grandbaby on the way. <laughs> Good clarification. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be something. That would be an announcement. Yeah, that would be a Christmas miracle, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be a miracle. Uh, okay. That's number five. Number five. Good? Yeah, that was five? That was my fifth. Okay. Did I give you a fifth? I don't know. I don't remember either, but it slipped my mind. Oh, one thing. You know how you go to a party and they say, tell us, you know, write down on a thing one thing about yourself that nobody would know that is just a really interesting fact. Oh, my word. You've had to do that before, I'm sure. Yeah. And people have to guess, is it you or whatever? Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I. I'm not that interesting. Mm-hmm. And most stuff people would know about me. I, I feel like I'm kind of an open book sometimes. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm not. Um, Now, after this, you'll have something. Because I have one I use every time. Okay, well, I'll say mine, then you can. Or how about you say yours, and it'll give me a second to think about it. Okay. I won an arm wrestling tournament. <laughs> I had a trophy. I can't find it anymore. Wow, that's yeah, cool. Years ago, in my twenties. That's cool. Um, okay, so this is probably kind of related to the podcast. Maybe I've said this before. I don't think so. But when I was a child, I don't know how old I was. Maybe ten, mm-hmm. twelve. Our Christian radio station had a kids program every Saturday morning, and they let a kid come on and be a junior DJ. And I did that. And it was like a whole hour and a half, I think, program. You sat there, you talked with the DJ, and they played music. And Hey, you were being prepped I, for the Calvary cast, and you saying. didn't even know it. That's what I'm saying. Maybe I was born to uh-huh. do radio. Yep, yep. I right. Don't know. That'd be my fact. Wow, that's really something. So. Yep. Well, <clears throat> that was kind of fun. And that took a long time. That was not five It was facts, fun, though. But it was fun. And I bet people get a chuckle out of that. Yeah, sometimes you like to just... Listen to stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. Uh, Topic of the day. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I interrupted you there, AI. Uh, okay. So today, this is a grab bag, and we're calling it a, a casual conversation in the office. Mm-hmm. You and I, throughout the week, well, we did a podcast a while ago. Uh, what do you guys do all week? And we kind of talked about what what a week looks like. But what we didn't do is talk about the conversations that we have. That's mm-hmm. one of the things. We have conversations on and off throughout the day about things we're reading, things we're mm-hmm. thinking about, we're discussing things, we're planning things. And so we thought, let's do something like that today on the podcast. So we're going to yeah. bring out a couple of, these are just random sorts of things we'll discuss. They're not fully fleshed always, right, right. right? But it'll give some people some things to think about. So first category is books, right? Mm-hmm. 
So we're, we're books or what we're studying, thinking about right now, right? Okay, there we go. I'm going to talk about. I've got three books I'm reading right now. Okay, and I'll talk about those. And you've got books slash things you're studying. Yes. Uh, I'll list one book first. Okay. So I'm listening to this book right now. This is a. I, I again, I don't read or listen to fiction, but nonfiction, I like historical things like that. So I'm listening to a book called The Mysterious Case of Rudolf Diesel about the man who invented the diesel engine and how he mysteriously died right before World War I. And so there wasn't a lot of, nobody knew what happened to him. A lot of people thought he committed suicide, but it was either, and I haven't got this far in the book yet, so I can't spoil it, mm-hmm. but it was either the guy that founded Standard Oil, Rockefeller, mm-hmm. killed him, or the German Kaiser killed him because mm-hmm. the diesel engine was so revolutionary. Uh, it was you know, transform, I mean, it transformed the world. It, it's actually, it's a real mod, marvel of engineering how the diesel engine works. Hmm. Um, and yet nobody really knows anything about this guy, diesel. So it's a fascinating read, kind of engineering, but really well-told story. Um, I'm a little, probably a little over halfway through it. And you're just or listening li- I'm to listening this. to it, yeah. Okay. So that's that's my my book. Do you want me to list the other ones, or you want to go something? Uh, no, go for it. Go yours, and then I'll <clears throat> okay. do mine. Second book is Rosaria Butterfield's new book, Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian yeah. Age. Mm-hmm. I'm a third-ish away through this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a great book. Is it going to become, do you think, a book of the month? No. Okay. I don't think so. I don't think this is one that everybody... This would, This is one that maybe we'll do a podcast on, just talk about some of the things she's bringing out. And, but it seems like one you can recommend, but I would it's recommend not necessarily... It, but I don't think everybody in our church is going to benefit from this. But what she's doing is she's writing to Christians living in a post-Christian age, mm-hmm. and she is largely saying to a lot of Christians, you don't know the time you're living in, mm-hmm. right? That you're living in this post-Christian world... Um, and especially, so she has five lies in here, and I'll, I'll list them to you. And then you might want to go read the book because you're like, wow. Uh, lie number one, homosexuality is normal. Lie two, being a spiritual person is kinder than being a biblical Christian. Lie three, feminism is good for the world and the church. And she makes the statement, feminism only is alive in the church, not even in the world. Interesting. Uh, lie number four, transgenderism is normal. And lie number five, modesty is an outdated burden that serves male dominance and holds women back. Hmm. So uh, you can kind of get an idea. Like there's no, not a whole lot of punches held right. in this book. But um, I think she's largely saying that Christians have, in the name of love and tolerance and acceptance, mm-hmm. um, begun to accept lies the world is telling us. Right, that's right. And on all of those subjects. Mm-hmm. And so she she's addressing those things. Um, so it's a pretty fascinating read. Yeah, and I think that, well, that concept of love, that this has become, yes. a, this is a real problem because it's, they'll say it's in the name of love, right? But really it's in the name of a certain definition yes. of a kind of yes. sentimental 21st century yes. American love. And this misguided notion of empathy, right? Yeah. She talks a lot about that, like... Right what empathy is not the highest virtue. It's actually not really a great thing <laughs> in right. these contexts. So Good. That sounds uh, good. Okay, the third book, this is the book I'm really digging right now, and we will do a podcast on this book. Okay. Uh, I need to buy it, though. I, or I'm, I, I'm reading it on Kindle. I just don't like reading. I don't either. Kindle I don't prefer books. the Kindle. <clears throat> I like to be able to do what I... Well, you can see this book yes, here with these. I love the... I highlight yeah, the living right. daylights out of a book. But this book is called The Rise and Fall of Dispensationalism. Okay. 
already I'm I'm feeling the <laughs> controversy uh, stirring. Okay. <clears throat> so those I'm sure most everybody knows what dispensationalism is, but if you don't, it's a way of interpreting your Bible, seeing in it uh, through the lens of dispensations or time periods instead of covenants. A key fe- feature of dispensationalism is premillennialism, specifically a pre-tribulational rapture, mm-hmm. and then also with that, a clear distinction between Israel and the Church. Right. And you and I both have dispensational roots and dispensational mm-hmm. leanings in certain ways. So this book, understand, is not a rip on dispensationalism. It's like, it's a big book. It's like 500-some pages, about a third of the way through it. And this is why I want to buy it, because I want to mark it up. Mm-hmm. But it's fascinating. It is a historical analysis of how this view became popular, right? And it really started in the mid-1800s, early mm-hmm. 18, about 1830 in Ireland, mm-hmm. came to America, really blossomed in America, not in necessarily the original vision as first propagated by John Nelson Darby. Mm-hmm. And it's about how it came to such prominence. I mean, really, dispensationalism was the theological, I don't know, theology du jour of much of the 20th century. And in then the United ha- States. In the United right? States, yeah, yeah. and then has kind of waned. Uh, waned in the probably more academic centers in terms mm-hmm. of like institutions that are pushing for a dispensational view. Mm-hmm. So really fascinating. Again, it's not a bash. It's a mm-hmm. historical right. view. It sounds, and I haven't read it, but it sounds like something that people would want to read to understand the history yes. of why they believe yes. what they believe. Well, right? and th- yeah, I, I, exactly. Or for me, like, okay, so I come out of that dispensational background, went to mm-hmm. dispensational school, and a lot of the stuff that he's talking about, I'm like, okay, I see that, and I see mm-hmm. how that was fleshed out, you know, a yeah. hundred uh, years after it originally started in the context that I was in. Right. Um, and, and there's also, you know... Um, like that term dispensationalism wasn't really even used till the early 20th century. Mm-hmm, right. And and with all theological systems, there's change, there's adaptation. And then really, I think what happened with some of dispensationalism, it was really popularized and only certain elements were really emphasized. Yeah. You know, pre-tribulational rapture. That's a, right. That's a key one, which was a really novel interpretation. Yeah. Right. The, the, what we would essentially say are two returns of Christ in the rapture, a secret rapture, uh-huh. and then another return after the yeah. And wouldn't we wouldn't we say that what was also novel isn't a tribulational period, but a seven year tribulational period? Right. So a connection between Daniel uh, se- seven or nine, but anyway, yeah. and Revelation right. and that idea of seven years right. was brand new. Right. Like, I don't think, from what I understand, and maybe he talked about that, that's never found anywhere previous. Not that I'm aware of. Now, like, premillennialism was... Yeah, premillennialism, like a thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. But even that was, uh, you know, there's a lot of what he calls old premillennialism, and then dispensationalism he calls new premillennialism. Old premillennialism was really marked by a lot of date setting. Right. And there became a lot of, like... uh, frustration with that when yeah. their dates were all right. wrong. And right. so that made new premillennialism more attractive in a sense. Yeah. The other thing, and this is what I think is fascinating in our thinking about our current cultural context, at the time that dispensationalism and new premillennialism really begins to rise, it surrounds significant cultural movements. And in America is the Civil War. Mm. People saw 
the decline of America mm-hmm. and all of these problems, and they mm-hmm. thought the end is here. Mm-hmm. And so a, a theological system that comes along and, and is preaching about the imminent return of Jesus and then a mm-hmm. tribulation period was more yeah. attractive, for yeah. lack of a better word. Interesting. Com- compared to post-millennialism, which was the prominent view before yeah. that. But now, isn't it interesting to see that post-millennialism... And that was what I thought, too. At our, ...in our current day and age in the United States is getting He's a comeback. Yep. Because, and, and it seems like the polar opposite of I what happened so. there, where they're seeing the decline of the United States morally, right? and there's this rising up and yes. trying to match a theology that says... Yes. We need to be trying to make it better. Yes. Yep. yep. For the return of Christ, yep. then, uh, yeah. So it seems like it's flipped uh, around a little bit that's here. That's what but, I thought. Yeah, that's really um, that's really fascinating. It's fascinating. The other thing, I'll just mention a couple other things because <clears throat> I think that it's important to recognize there's some good things that that have just stood out to me that affirm that, like, okay, even though I wouldn't especially come close anywhere near classical dispensationalism, right? But the good things that came out of it were dispensationalists have, been, have largely always been a Bible people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they are committed to the Bible, and they, the, especially the inductive Bible method largely came from the, the dispensational view, and an encouragement for people to study the Bible for themselves. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Um, the, the renewed emphasis on missions and evangelism, right? Mm-hmm. Even guys like, you know, and, and like, like Hudson Taylor, mm-hmm. George Mueller, um, different people like that. They were they came from the Plymouth Brethren background, which mm-hmm. is the founding of dispensationalism largely. Uh, men like D. L. Moody, who was not a great theologian per se, but was an evangelist and really champion of the cause of global missions. Right with this understanding of the imminent return of Christ, let's be busy about the work of evangelism and global missions. So right. you can't deny that's really good fruit. Right. So there there's been there's been fruit from it, but then we've seen dispensationalism go awry. Yes. And and um where especially in the realm of eschatology yep. or the doctrine of blessings going into very crazy interpretations, right. speculation, yeah. date setting, everything that springs out of a dispensationalism. Often. So as with any theological system, there's cautions, yep. there's good things that we can pull, and there's things that people need to be wary of. Yep. And we were, our doctrinal statement used to have the word dispensational in it. Mm-hmm. We, I think it says something to the effect, we uh, interpret the Bible from a dispensational point of view or whatever. Mm-hmm. We took that word out um, because for a, co- for a number of reasons, mm-hmm. not the least of which some people didn't know what it meant. Right. Um, but also because there are versions of dispensationalism that we're not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And then we also took out pre-tribulational rapture because we don't believe that is something... That that had actually was one thing that became a sticky point. Like a, like a for, fundamental, like, a, yeah, like on our theological triage, a, a number one thing. Yeah, and, and we wanted to make sure we didn't communicate that, because and we had a number of people coming for like, yeah, I see a seven-year tribulational period, and I'm premillennialist, and I, you know, this and that, but I think it's pre-wrath or pre-trib or, or post-trib, post-trib or whatever. Yeah. And so we, we did take that out of there. Um, so anyway, that's important, and, and I, I find that most dispensationalists, the average person in the church do not know the history of dispensationalism. Yep. So that's important. They also aren't aware of the dangers of it. 
uh, and they need to be aware of that, and that there's other ways of interpreting the Bible that aren't heretical, that are just different and more historic. And so, as we've talked about in our conversations, since this is part of our conversation, we're like, we are kind of in the middle of where we're... Uh, as individuals, right? Mm-hmm. We're like pulling from the All traditions, sorts of different, different things, and seeing more of a middle ground that right. makes much more sense right. to us. So. Yeah, yeah. So eventually, I'll finish the book, and we'll do a whole podcast on the history of dispensationalism. I think sounds be really good. Fun. All good. right, that's all my my three book things. Okay, so I am in the midst of doing a few things here. I'll start with the the least amount of time one that I'm putting in. <laughs> That's what I tried to do. And that is on, um, I'm reading a book, The Elder and Overseer, One Office in the Early Church by Dr. Benjamin Merkel. And the reason I'm not just reading that, but also thinking through this idea of eldership again, I'm preparing something for the Sunday evening members meeting in January where uh, Mark Varashka is going to give his testimony and his you know, the providential call of him to be an elder here, and we're going to talk about that. And I really want to reteach our congregation again how we view the office of an elder. Yeah. What is it? Because I think there's a lot of confusion about that. It, office of elder, pastor, overseer, it's all one office. Differing roles and functions among them, um, but they're all pastoring, they're all eldering, they're all overseeing. And so I think that's important for a church to keep remind ourselves of, because we get new people that come from churches that have different views of what an elder is and yeah. should be doing, right? Yep. So I'm kind of working through that. Okay. But then also giving a lot of attention to um, the uh, the conversation that's going on out there <laughs> in the <laughs> webosphere. In, in the, the larger yeah. evangelical, especially Reformed-ish right. world. Of Christian nationalism. Are you a Christian nationalist? It, and I would say, from what I'm learning, it depends what you mean by that. Like <laughs> everyone else would say. I just to say that for say. an incendiary statement. But uh, really rethinking my own... And, and solidifying my own political theology. Right. That's really what the broader conversation yeah. is, is, what is our political theology? Yeah, it was Christian nationalism that got it started, but it really boils down to, if anybody's wondering what, that, what we're thinking about here, I'm thinking, what is my political theology? In other words, what is the responsibility of the church to the government, the government to the church? What is the responsibility of individual Christians to the church? And I think what really, for me got this started was COVID and our response Mm -hmm. to COVID and thinking through, you know, what can the government tell us to do and not to do as the church? By us, I mean the church. Right. And what authority do we give to them over us? Mm -hmm. What, you know, as an example, they say, well, you can't meet. Right. And then we start seeing that much of what they're doing isn't even true, accurate. There's a lot of deception coming from government. In certain states like California, there there was definitely agendas against the church trying to keep them from meeting, even though they were allowing all these other things. So what is the what is our response to the government? And this has been really helpful to me to think through because I never really thought through it before. Well, like we didn't, we didn't have to. So that's much, right, right. I, I think that's what a lot of people have come to see is we didn't have to 
we we were largely at peace and left alone. <laughs> yeah. And then now, not so much. And so we got to think about how do we engage. Yeah. So a few resources, you know, I've been listening to a lot of things online and reading things online yep. that are coming out through a Christ Overall podcast, yep. which is really good. I read through uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones on Romans 13. I skipped way ahead from where we're at in our series on Sunday mornings and read through his perspective on church and state, and it was really good, really helpful to see and just to think through. I mean, just generally, if you just think through the idea that God has established government and church, and yes, they are distinct, and they have different roles which they're supposed to be doing and there's a there's a sense in which they need to stay in their each stays in its own lane so the the government stays in its lane because it has a role to do protect its citizen punish evildoers that's definitely not the role of the the church but even if you we start thinking about this a little more clearly and we'll talk about this more in our time but like the government and the church in an ideal setting which is what we had, and still, well, no, we had this in the United States, is that the government acknowledged the God of the Bible, Mm -hmm. the government established its form of government and laws based upon biblical truths. Uh, Largely uh, biblical anthropology. That's right. And that the government respected the church and actually... Uh, wanted to uh, wanted the church to prosper, right. recognizing that is important for right. society, uh, for its moral foundation, different things. So it should be these two entities, uh, government and church, doing mm-hmm. each its own role, uh, but acknowledging the importance of the other. So Christians acknowledge the importance of government, as Lloyd-Jones brought up, because he says, we understand the sinfulness of man, so we understand the government needs to bear the sword, to punish evildoers, yes. to keep society going. And um, the connection to 1 Timothy 2 there, that we are praying for our government uh, leaders so that we can live quiet and peaceful lives. We can do what we're supposed to do. They're doing what they're doing, and the gospel's going forth. Yeah. And so seeing this um, more clearly mm-hmm. and uh, thinking through times in which the church must rebel against the government. And I'm going to read to you something that is very... Controversial from incendiary, uh, yeah, uh, from uh, Lloyd Jones. Here he says, he says, but what about rebellion? Surely, he says, as Christians, we are entitled to argue that if a state, a king, an emperor, a governor, a dictator, or anybody else becomes tyrannical, then this state is violating the law of its own being and constitution as laid down in Romans thirteen. Hmm. The moment, therefore, that the state turns itself into a master and into a tyrant, it is disobeying the law of God that brought it into being, and it must itself be punished. And the form the punishment takes is that the government is thrown out and replaced by one that is prepared to abide by the teaching of Romans 13, 1 through 7. That's powerful. Yeah. But when we analyze the government and they are not doing what they are supposed to do, then I think we are free Hmm. to rebel against what they're telling us to do. And I'll just throw this in. Rent on Amazon uh, Prime, if you can do that, if you can rent the video Mm -hmm. or order it, The Essential Church. 
that was put out by Grace Community Church and John MacArthur about the debacle they went through, and then there was the pastor in Canada, and there was one somewhere else. They're tracing those, and the pastor in Canada and this other, I don't remember where the other one is, they ended up in jail for rebelling against the government that was being tyrannical and was overstepping its bounds and violating its God-ordained role. And I think by the time you get done watching The Essential Church, you will see that there is a time where the church says, no, we're going to not do what you tell us to do. Mm-hmm. You've, you're not staying in your lane, and uh, we must do such and such in order to remain faithful to God. Yeah. So anyway, that was That's good. Those two things are really on my mind and heart, and I've mentioned to the church that I was trying to write some, just fleshing all this out, even in my own mind, because it, it will help me to have to write some of these things down yep. to really... Solidify, solidify what I'm yeah. doing and putting those out on our website and so forth. So so that will be coming, a series of blog posts on development of a political theology. Yep. Cool. Subheading, a new revolution. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. You might get a knock on your door later today. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, boy. Okay, that's uh, some things we're, we're reading, thinking about, studying. Uh, maybe we can go a little more quickly on these last things. Yes, we better. We better. Uh, we listen to a podcast. This is a podcast. So I'm assuming that people listen to this podcast, listen to other podcasts as well. Yes. I always enjoy recommendations. So I've got three recommendations. How many do you have? Uh, I'll just do the one today. Okay. I've already done it. I Christ overall. Okay. That was my first one. The Christ overall website and their podcast. Great stuff. Now, yeah. some of it is going to be, it is geared more towards pastors and mm-hmm. things like that, but if you really want to think deeply about some things, especially Christian nationalism, uh, what they're doing, it's really good. And the thing that I like about that, they take one theme a month, and then they do a whole bunch of podcasts yeah. and articles on that one I theme. think that's helpful because it lets you keep thinking about yes. that one thing over a yes. month period. And sure. I'll say, before the Christian nationalism ones, they did several on progressive covenantalism. So if you want to think more about dispensationalism and covenantal theology and progressive covenantal theology, those podcasts are really helpful, too. Okay. Christ overall. Uh, the second one I've really been enjoying is a podcast called Room for Nuance. It's some long-form interviews. Uh, Pastor Sean DeMars. If people watch the American Gospel, the first one, he's on that, the one about the prosperity gospel. He's on it. He's a good interviewer and sitting down having long conversations with people about all sorts of subjects. The last one they put out, I think, is with Russell Berger, who is also in that American Gospel uh, documentary. Really great interview. Highly recommend it. The third one I'll recommend, I think I've recommended this before, but it's it's great. I listen to it every single day, is The World and Everything in It from World Magazine. Mm. It's a news podcast, and a it's a news slash, they would say it's like a magazine one, right? They have different segments. They do really good reporting, good storytelling. They have at the beginning always just probably like a five-minute segment. It's just kind of a roundup of the day's news, but it's all from a Christian perspective with like these guys are actual journalists in a day and age where there is no such thing as actual journalism they're actual journalists so i they just gained another subscriber just, i just subscribed because you just recommended it it's great in the morning i'm making my breakfast i'm listening to this so that's what i do okay podcast that was fast oh also i would say life and books and everything don't you think that's, that's a, a good, good one, one. We Kevin give a shout out to that. yeah that's a really good one all right life and books and everything Okay, let's close with this. We're talking about future plans and projects. This is, so again, this is a conversation in the office. This is something else we're thinking about. What are we doing in the future? 
we've got one thing we're going to talk about in regards to what we are, Lord willing, the new year starting here at the church. Yeah. What is it? We want the men's group, right? Yes. We want a men's group replete with cigars and bourbon. <laughs> it's going to be manly. Would We're working right now to panel one of these rooms in cedar. Yeah. It's going to be smoky and leather chairs. And Here's what I just thought, though. We were thinking about doing this men's group that we're going to talk about godly manly things no cigars no bourbon no leather no however panel. with me thinking about the cigars and the bourbon and and uh that, none of which we consume i well i know yeah because well but, there's an aesthetic that comes yes, with it but we're not but yeah. maybe we need to think of an evening deal that we do and not a morning but let's just think that through and if there are any men that that okay so the essence is once a month we're going to get is the guys of this church that will show up to this to come in it's the men's discipleship project yeah it's a it's a project it's a discipleship because we need to be engaged with one another and helping one another and looking at what the bible talks about being godly men all of those things together and we we'll either we could do it once a month on the morning in a morning like on a Saturday, Saturday morning. morning, we could do it on an evening because I just thought of that. Yep. We could do an evening deal, and that would have more of the vibe of like it, less coffee and more of the manly <laughs> evening vibe. But anyway, we want to if we get enough guys to do this, we want to break everybody up into maybe little mini teams of three mm-hmm. for. Weekly communication with one another, help, encouragement, encouragement, accountability if it's needed, discussions on things. I mean, those kinds of things. So that's what our vision is. I think it would be helpful. And and to step back further, we are growing under the—have been, but are more convinced, especially living in the day and age we do, right? Like Rosaria Butterfield talks about, like, this is the time we live in. We're in a post-Christian world. The church is dependent upon men leading in their homes and yeah. leading in the church. Right. And it's our responsibility as elders to be training up yes. men and women uh, by, I think, training the husbands to lead their wives, right? So we want to be busy about that kind of work. And so this is going to be encouraging men towards biblical masculinity, yeah. study of the scriptures, leading their homes. Patriarchy. What does it mean to be patriarchal? <laughs> You're just dropping that little bomb right Throw there. Throw it in there. Throw it in there. Uh, but like all these, like and it doesn't matter if you're married or single, whatever. We are thinking primarily, if you're a, uh, a younger man, especially, you need to be in this. Older men too, but especially like you're the next generation of leaders in this church. Yeah. Are we, you ready to we take would the be, mantle? That's right. We would be the, pa- with the conversation we've had today, we're going to be the patriarchal patriots. <laughs> Starting a new revolution in Grand Junction, Colorado. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> Am I making you nervous on this? I'm, may, I'm sweating. People I'm don't sweating know. a little bit over they here. They don't know if I'm joking right. or I'm not. They don't know how to read this. There's always a little bit of truth in every joke. It's this coffee. It's this coffee time. has just wired and me it's up. doing this at 10 o'clock in the morning. I know. Versus... We need the, the one in the afternoon where we're no, a little more good. tempered. This is good. This is good. Yeah. This is what people like. They but like we, do need, we do need as men to be rearing up more than we're rearing down. And this world yeah. is discouraging. I get it. Raising a family can be discouraging. Um, being a godly man, because anything that we're wanting to do that is good, godly, we have to understand there's going to be opposition within and without. I mean, there's going to be spiritual opposition. There's going to be uh, our own fleshly opposition. 
so anything good that we want to do that's going to progress us in Christ-likeness is going to be resisted, and we need to understand that. Right. So having men that help you through, like developing relationships help you through, hopefully young and old. We want yep. everything. all men young and old to be a part of this, and we're praying that it'll be something that is helpful. That we look forward to every month. Yep. Like we say, man, it's the men's group tonight. Sweet. Awesome. I got to swing by the cigar shop, grab my new <laughs> stogie. I'm heading over. <laughs> Lighten it up. I don't think so. <laughs> we can't smoke in the building cigars because it would just stink up the building. Yeah, we're not going to do that. Okay. Anyway, that was good. That all? I think that's it. That's it. This thing's going long. We should shut her down. We're like 45 minutes. Wow. So, but it's been fun. Yeah. Maybe people got a little insight of. What a conversation around the office sounds like. Because that was pretty much what it is. That's pretty much what it is. Yes. There you go. <laughs> well, we thank you for listening to this podcast, and we do pray the conversation and the things we've discussed today has served well to people at Calvary Bible Church in Grand Junction. And whether you're a part of our church or not, we do pray that you're growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, consider giving us a review and a rating, sharing it with your friends. We do love to hear from our listeners, even if we made your Spotify top five list. Mm-hmm. That's just humbling. If you're part of our church, you can get a hold of us a number of ways. Send us a text, give us a call, talk to us in person, send us an email at thecalvarycast at gmail.com. Email us feedback, questions, comments, topics. We're, all, we're looking for new topics. We need some, if you got an idea, something you want us to talk about that won't take us like a month to study and prepare for. Send it to us. We'd love to hear from you guys. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at the Calvary Cast. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. So until next time.